Hey guys. Oh yeah, that's on. Hey, you guys see that balance right there? Right? Carrying all this stuff. Guys, missed my calling to be a waiter, I think. What's up? Guys, thank you. Oh my gosh, yes. Where was that? Come on. I'm glad to see you guys. Glad glad the left side of the room showed up. Sweet. So, guys, how are we? We doing good? Good? Yeah, this guy says, yeah, good. Great. Guys, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've been up here. I've missed you guys. Hey, uh, if this is your first time or you're just like, who is this guy? Uh, my name is Dylan. Um, I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Fellowship. And for the past couple weeks, we've been going through this book, Galatians. Uh, and guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I love this book. I love it. It is one of, if not my favorite books in the Bible, and a lot of you all might be like, why? Dylan, there's a lot of junk in here about law and, you know, other stuff. Like, it's hard to understand at times. Like, how can you, like, of every, like, why aren't you like Greg? Like, why don't you like Romans? Okay, I love this book. Hopefully, by the end of the night, you will understand why I hold this book so near and dear to my heart. But in the words of Jerry Reed, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there tonight. So we're going to go ahead and dive in. But before we do that, uh, a little recap uh, for some of you all. Um, Paul, the author of this letter, uh, Galatians, to say that Paul would be mad, or he's kind of in there in the graphic if you look close, Paul's sitting there writing this letter, uh, to say that Paul's mad or frustrated as he's writing this letter would be an understatement, right? Paul is furious. Paul is really, really not happy as he's writing this letter because the church in Galatia, Paul says they've abandoned they have deserted the truth of the gospel. And what they've instead done, they've listened to this other group of people and they've uh, devoted themselves to this thing called the law, right? The old law. This is problematic, okay? Especially after the life and death of Jesus. You see, to invest yourself Uh, To devote yourself to following the old law would be to severely, severely minimize the power of God's grace and the cross. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. So Galatians chapter 3 is where we be this fine eve. If you have your Bible, go ahead and flip turn there. Uh, So we know that Paul's been really, really mad. He's been really, really frustrated. But he's had a couple chapters, right? He's had a couple chapters clear his head you know, get vent, get everything he's got out there. So maybe uh, maybe in chapter three, he's toned it back a bit. Maybe he's a little bit more cool, calm, collected. Let's find out starting in verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians. No, Paul's still mad. Uh, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Okay. Let's stop right there. We got a lot to break down. So uh, this is the first time since all the way back in Galatians 1 that Paul has directly addressed the Galatians. And he doesn't do so by calling them brothers. He doesn't do so by calling them friends, pals, homies, like he does with other churches in other letters. He calls them by their name. He says, you Galatians, 
right? This is the equivalent to you sitting in your room, just peacefully existing, when across the house you hear your mom scream your full name, okay? And you're just filled with terror. And you're covering all the bases in your head. You're like, did I get the chicken out of the freezer? Did I do the dishes? Did I sweep the floor? Like, what could I have done wrong? This is serious. Paul is addressing the Galatians like this to get their attention. And Paul doesn't just call them by name. He calls them stupid, right? He says, you foolish Galatians. And it's easy to think like, as we read through the beginning of chapter three, we can be like, hang on, whoa, Paul, stop. Okay, listen, I know you're mad. Like, Paul, that, that, but name calling, that's a little too far, brother. Okay, I, I get it. But what we fail, what we have to understand, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, guys, you have the ability right? You have the cognitive function to think and process through things. You're just choosing not to, right? Uh, Paul is frustrated because the truth of the gospel had been preached to the Galatians time after time after time again, likely by Paul himself. And they've still chosen to devote themselves to this other truth, right? They've decided to devote themselves to the old law. And not only that, but their actions, right? This new belief, this new way that they're living is completely contrary to their initial experience with salvation, Okay, that's why Paul asks this uh, rhetorical question here in verse two, because he wants them to see and understand that it wasn't by works, right? It wasn't by the law, right? There was nothing that they could have done on their own to receive salvation, right? It is only by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that they were able to receive the spirit. Okay, let's continue. Verse three. Are you so foolish? There it is again. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Okay, so Paul automatically assumes that the Galatians know the answer to the question he asked in verse 2. So he continues here by saying, okay, now that we've addressed that you began your walk in the faith, guys, you have to continue to walk in the faith. You can't grow in the spirit by walking in the flesh because the flesh and the spirit are at odds with one another, right? They're like oil and water. They are pulling in opposite directions, right? The flesh cannot perfect anything considering it was the flesh that destroyed that which was made perfect all the way back in Genesis chapter three with the fall of man. Okay. Think, think about it this way. Let's say for example, uh, that I want to become a really good runner, this is entirely fictitious. I would never run unless I had to, unless like something was chasing me. I hate running, but for the sake of the illustration, I want to be a great runner, okay? So one morning, I wake up, I prepare myself this really, really clean meal, and I go run three miles, okay? And it is not the fastest three miles that have been ran by any stretch, okay? But through that experience, I've fallen in love with running. Running's great. Yeah, let's run all the time. So to continue my journey of becoming this great runner, for the next couple weeks, what I do is I camp out on my sofa, uh, I eat junk food, and I watch Rings of Power on uh, Amazon Prime, right? No. no. Oh, man. I tore the room with that one. It's not bad, guys. Okay. Uh, but no, that's not how it works. I'm not going to become a great runner by doing that, right? Because I'm doing the opposite of what I should be doing. That's exactly what's happened here with the Galatians. The Galatians have had this incredible, life-changing experience with Jesus, and they've, in, they've continued their walk 
by walking in the other direction of where they should be going. Okay, they're walking in the flesh. Verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, all who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Okay, so Paul continues to drive his point home. He's like, the spirit that dwells within us doesn't abide by the law. Okay, the spirit abides by faith. Okay, and then Abraham shows up. (laughs) What? (laughs) Paul... Paul, why bring up Abraham? Why bring up this old dead guy? Okay, why right here? Why right now? What what does Abraham have to do with anything about what we're talking about? Well, the Galatians, the group of people that have led the Galatians astray, right, that have taught them this false teaching, are a group of Jews. Okay, and these Jews uh, remain anchored on Torah, on the old law. And the goal of every Jew is to be considered this great child, this great descendant of Abraham. Okay. So what the Jews have told the Galatian church is say, Hey, okay, since you guys weren't born Jews, what you have to do now to be considered a child of Abraham is you have to follow this old law. Okay. If you do that, you're in, right? Like you're welcome. Like if you follow the law, you're a child of Abraham, you're an honorary Jew. Huzzah. Okay. So Paul brings up Abraham here to point out two things. Okay. One, the law wasn't given until years and years and years and years and years after Abraham had died. So Abraham didn't follow the law because guess what? He couldn't. He didn't even have it. And two, Abraham was considered to be righteous. Abraham was called righteous. Abraham was called a man of God because he walked by faith. So what does that mean? That means that everybody... Okay, not just one people group, but every single person that walks by faith is considered a child of Abraham. It's not by works. It's not by the law. It is by faith and by faith alone. Okay, verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Okay. So we've talked about the law, this old law, every single week. And here Paul calls it a curse. Okay, what does that mean? How is the law a curse? The law is a curse because the law required perfection. And we know that as humans, we can't be perfect. So whenever somebody would break the law, all the way back in the Old Testament, they were subject to God's wrath until they offered a sacrifice to atone for their mistake. Okay, it required the blood of something else like a goat or a sheep or a ram to cover one's sin, to cover one's mistakes. It required the blood of something else to cover something's mistake. Okay, this is where Jesus comes into play because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. 
The blood of Jesus not only covered our past sin, our past mistakes, it also covers our future mistakes as well. Okay? The blood of Jesus covers everything. So the death of Jesus, Jesus became a curse to break the curse. So Jesus' death signified the fulfillment of this old law and the start of the new one. So what does that mean, Dylan? Okay, we've had the old law. Now you've introduced the new law. What the heck? Okay, I thought we were just getting out of it. Um, so the new law. Um, Jonathan Pecluda puts it this way. Uh, Jonathan Pecluda is a pastor out of Texas. Jonathan Pecluda says, the old law says, you break the old law, you have to pay. Right? You make a mess, you have to clean it up. You have a debt, you have to pay it. Right? You sin, that's on you. You have to cover it. That's what the old law says. The new law says, you break the law... And it's already been paid for. To live as if we still have to pay our own debts is to deny the redeeming work and the blood of Jesus. It's to deny that power. That's why Paul is so frustrated in this letter. Because the Galatians have bought on this false truth, this lie that says that Jesus died in vain. The power of the cross, the cross has no power. The cross doesn't have the power to save. And that's why this letter is still so crucial for us today. Because it can be so easy to fall in the mindset of thinking that whenever we fall back into that sin, that we have been trying so desperately to kill that God's mad at us. He doesn't want us. It can be so easy to think that we have to clean up our mess before we can return to the presence of God. Um, whenever I was a kid growing up, I was very destructive. Okay, I broke a lot of things. Um, Whenever I'd break something around the house or I'd forget to do something that I was told to do or I'd do something that I was explicitly told not to do, my initial reaction would be to run around the house and do the dishes and make my bed and try to mop but really just get the floor wet. And I did those things because in my mind, all of those good deeds would make up for the mistake that I made. My fear here tonight is that there's so many of us that have taken that mindset and adopted it into our spiritual walk. The fact of the matter is, is, is that that mindset is comparable to that of the Galatians here in this letter. Jesus doesn't want you to try to pay for your own debts. He doesn't want you to try to, to clean up your own mess. Because your debts, they, they've already been paid. Your mess, your brokenness, it's already been cleaned up. Jesus doesn't want your works. I don't know why that's over there. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want your works. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Man. So, knowing that our sin, knowing that our sin's already been covered, does that mean that, that we can just keep walking in it? Right? Does, knowing that it's paid for, uh, that means naturally that I can just keep walking in sin because in the end, it'll all be forgiven, right? That's okay. No. The blood of Jesus didn't just cleanse you of your sin. It freed you from it. We were walking in sin. We were walking without a purpose. 
We were walking without direction. We were walking as slaves until Jesus comes into the picture and says, no more. No more. You're walking without a purpose. You're walking in sin, not anymore. Now you're walking with me. So like Paul commands the Galatians here, cling to that truth. Cling to that truth. Cling to the truth that your chains, they've been broken. Cling to the truth that your debts, they've been paid. Cling to the truth that you were once a slave and now you are free. Cling to that truth and keep walking in it. Rest in it. Rest in the fact of knowing that that you are redeemed. You have been bought with a price. Take that truth, cling to it, and keep walking in it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. God, you are so, so good. God, you are holy, you are mighty, and God, you have the power to save. You have the power to break these chains, God. So God, that's what I pray and ask for here in this room tonight, that chains would be broken, and God, that minds would be put to rest. God, that people would, these students, God, they would just delight in your presence and know that they've been redeemed. They're walking with you. And for that, God, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, guys, uh, you all are dismissed to go to your life groups. If you all don't have a life group, uh, come talk to us back here uh, by the sound booth. We would love to get you plugged in. Thanks, guys.